Hey dads, you are listening to Abba Father Podcast, where we discuss how the Bible and theology informs and equips us as parents. We believe that the more we learn about our Heavenly Father and apply His teachings, the better it makes us as dads. I'm Matt. I'm Brando. And I'm Cameron. And today, we are talking about Sabbath rest. So rather than sharing a specific story about one of our kids, what we wanted to do today is, between the three of us, talk about what our shared experience is with how we observe Sabbath, how we view rest in our families, conversations we've had with our wives or with our kids around that. Brando, how about you? Yeah, so um, my family, um, as a pastor's family, we try and think about uh, Christian Sabbath on Sunday is very a very difficult topic for us, uh, as I am working all day, basically. Um, and so we don't get a lot of rest on Sunday. So, uh, at times the discussion becomes legalistic and, you know, what are we allowed to do on a Sunday and all this stuff. And, uh, honestly, when we were talking about this topic, I immediately thought, uh, I have no, I have no overall trouble with rest. Um, in fact, I tend towards the lazy end of the spectrum, probably, sadly. Um, I am, I've never been accused of being a workaholic. Uh, so, uh, I think my family has a good handle on how to rest. Um, we probably need some help in learning how to have a little more work ethic than we, than we do. Um, in fact, uh, we'll probably get into this later in the scripture. Um, but, um, when I think of, you know, the, the command, um, in the 10 commandments to, to keep the Sabbath holy, it says, uh, six days shall you labor. And, and on the seventh, you shall rest. I always think, man, I got to do six days. I usually <laughs> just do five, man. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's been a, a thing in our family of me trying to, um, push and work six days. And that's been, um, so yeah, that's our perspective is kind of a, of course that's, that's my side. My wife, uh, Marianne is a little more of a workaholic and a little more, um, pushing to get things done all the time. And yeah, we struggle with the balance between the two of us and helping our kids to kind of find that balance as well. My, uh, my oldest is a little lazy, just like his dad. And, uh, the middle one is, is, uh, likes to, to clean up and work hard. And so, yeah, we're the youngest one's just crazy. He makes messes for everybody, but (laughs) yeah. So I, um, I think it's interpreted a little bit different in my family and, in that we view that Sabbath as contentment and peace, not necessarily a day or a inactivity or, you know, productivity and then taking a break from that, but more that like our business, we run a coffee shop and we close on Sunday. It's not because Sunday's that special. It's, you know, day of the week. That's when uh, you know all, all of our staff are going to church, and um, we want to honor that and allow our our, our staff to 
um, go to church and not have to worry about work. But then also, it's a chance for us to exercise the fact that God is the one sustaining our business. And it's okay to not be open every single day of the year. But uh, take take that time out to say, you know, I'm, I'm releasing control. Uh, as much as I want to control everything, <laughs> I'm releasing it. And then I'll get back to working hard because in Genesis, God made it clear that in his good creation, we work in the garden and do good work. But the, uh, the chance and the gift to find that rest and contentment that God is in control, he's um, supplying for us, and that he's got this way better than we could, I think that's more of the way that our family um, interprets it. What about you, Cameron? Yeah, so when I think about this topic, I think about when do I rest and when do I get rest, and I think about it a lot more in the natural way of just like emotional or physical break from something. So for us in our uh, time of life right now, we've got two boys, one five and one two, and they're always going, always always busy in in and of themselves. So like, I think of, man, when, when are the times I get to just rest? And it's when they're both napping, which happens about two hours a week <laughs> when they're both actually home and napping like on a Saturday or maybe a Sunday afternoon and then each night when my wife and I can just relax and so I think of rest like that's healthy that's a form of um, self-care in a biblically appropriate way not in a worldly way of you know, putting me first or anything like that. But then I, th- when I think about it, like from a biblical perspective, I'm like Brando, I'm on staff at a church. And so, um, I've, I've had different church members in the past, you know, people bring up, well, today's Sabbath, we got to rest or kind of talking about that. And it, they kind of just completely miss the reality that if someone's working for the church, they, are working five hours minimum usually on a Sunday and and depending on evening it's easily an eight hour day or more so it's like well does 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 the day only matter for non church staff people and not those that are like called to be ministers of the gospel by vocation so it's an interesting topic an interesting conversation I think with our modern times we've We've kind of stepped away from, at least most denominations have, stepped away from it having to be a, a 24-hour day period of a week. Um, although many faithful, you know, believers still hold to that conviction. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a roundabout way of saying we're we're kind of we're not quite to the to the stage of life where our kids are involved in everything. So um, we're not super busy at this moment. All right. So we heard three different viewpoints on how we are observing and, and looking at Sabbath and rest. Let's see what the scripture says. 
we wanted to look at what does the scripture say about rest and Sabbath? Um, because as we were mentioning, especially in the, the church culture and community, this is these are the some of the verses that come to mind when we're challenged. Um, but we really wanted to answer um, some questions like, what does the scripture say and how should we um, interpret it? In what ways can we help our children and our family discover Sabbath rest? And also, what are some ways that we can show our children that we personally enjoy the rest that God provides us? So I brought in a couple verses here, and I think these are the ones that that challenge us. Genesis 2-2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And Mark two twenty seven, the Sabbath was Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So you can see resting is what God does. He tells us to do it. And Jesus says, Yeah, that's made for you. <laughs> so it's yeah, when you put those verses in line, it's almost like a pretty clear uh, dictation that, uh, or commandment that, oh, it is a commandment, <laughs> that we should observe a Sabbath day, keep it holy. And holy means set apart, a day set apart. Yeah. But set apart for what? That's a good question. So in the law, there it's it's pretty prescriptive. You can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. You know, you need to like whenever manna was provided in the wilderness, you collect everything that you need five days. The sixth day, you go out and collect, and when you go out and collect that time, you bring back a double portion, not because you collected twice as much, but because the day before Sabbath, you end up collecting twice as much because what you need the next day when you don't collect is enough for that day. And that, that to me is, you can read that and say, okay, I need to go out and buy groceries, but there's this one day that I can't buy groceries. (laughs) But I think really, you know, okay, we can take it super literal, but if we, if we zoom out a little and say, what's God really saying? I mean, when he created the world, and his people, he said it was good. And that seventh day, it was it was also good that he stopped creating. He, he saw what he created. It was whole. It was good. It was perfect. He declared it good, and he rested in the fact, in that goodness. And then he says, I want you to do that too. This is a holy day. It's set apart. It's set apart your this time to look at what I've created, look at what I've done, and declare it good. And I think what God is showing in the manna story is uh, you do need to do work a lot of those days, but then on that day before the Sabbath, you can you're, you can do your normal stuff, but I'm going to provide more so that the day that you sit back and reflect and remember what I've done, you will have that portion available to you. I will provide, not by your own hands, that way you can sit back, reflect on me and what I've provided for you and declare it good and know that it comes from me and not from the work of your hands. Hmm. So it made me think, you know, 
it's it's really it's a chance to reflect and remember God's grace, His abundance, His provision, His providence. Um, also, it's a time to release control, and we know from that story in Exodus that some um, some people went out and gathered way more manna than they needed, and the next day it was moldy and bad. And I think we can tend to do the same thing too sometimes is before we release control, especially when it comes to, you know, I'm just going to rest in the fact that God's going to take care of my financial situation. I don't have to take a second job or something or, or do something that would be, um, that, that wouldn't be good, you know, in some way he's going to take care of that. And I, I can trust in, in the process and that he is faithful. I also wanted to mention I think in this, in our discussion, the Sabbath, keeping it holy, is not a requirement to not be physically active, to lay on a couch and be a couch potato for 24 hours. Um, I think it's more about contentment, that your productivity does not sustain you, and that peace that God is in control, and trust that Jesus advocates for you and carries your burdens. Jesus really is our Sabbath. We can trust in his his provision, his taking the burden of our sin, and knowing that he's advocating for us on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've you've got in the notes there that uh, the the command to observe Sabbath is a gift from God to His people, and I think that's important because the Mark two passage. Of course, Christ says that because of um, the failed shepherds of God's people of the time that were making the Sabbath into um, just a pharisaical tradition, and it wasn't the heart of the Sabbath. And so they were missing the reality that God modeled it for us at creation and then required it for his people for their own benefit because he knows we're prone to be materialistic and we're prone to not rest and take care of ourselves and so it really is a gift and it's not really even though it was part of the law like it wasn't really meant to be to to be something to be under the thumb of the law about but it was actually like a gift of the law a gift i mean the whole law is a gift depending on how you look at it but um I just I love that Mark two passage because it really helped, hopefully, those that were seeing it the opposite way. Just having that clear clarity from Christ that this day is for you and for your benefit. And so when you don't use it and you don't observe Sabbath, uh, you're going to suffer. And it's not necessarily because it's cause and effect like sin, but like you will not be healthy. You will not. You know, everything about your life that you're trying to maintain for those six days, uh, or in our context, five days or whatever your four-day work week looks like, like everything you're trying to accomplish there to take care of your family, to support your family, to be happy, to have purpose, it's not really going to be there if you're working yourself into the ground and not observing Sabbath rest. Yeah, and I think that it also goes beyond work and also into the entertainment category or games or activities that keep us from 
remembering who God is, reflecting on that, actually putting ourselves in that space where we are speaking to God, thinking about him, because the tendency is if you're not working, what then do you do? Do we consume media? Listen to a podcast? <laughs> Watch we stare something at on. each other? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's not mindless an activity. It's also not watching your favorite show on Netflix. It can also not be um just you know yeah, staring mindlessly at a wall. I think I think the challenge, the gift here is God says make it holy. This is a set apart time mm-hmm. to remember yeah. to look at what I've created and call it very good. To yeah, think about I think all of us can agree and everybody listening can agree that you've had a day off and at the end of that day you you can say there was nothing restful about that day. Um or if you want to get more serious spiritually, there was nothing holy about that day off. Yeah, absolutely. And I personally, I've been thinking about this a lot of you know, I I think we all could do better jobs at connecting with God feeling that connection, challenging ourselves to reach deeper, pray longer, heart, you know, becoming softer, all these things that we desire for that deeper relationship with God. Um, But our other, the things in our life get in the way. And I think that's what God is helping us to realize is you can it is it's there is there is a way to put some margins in your life if you make space for me then i will fill it not only will i fill it i will fill it more than you ever expected but make some space for me you know what don't just make space for me i command you to make space for me and this is for your own good it's for you i'm making this for you set it apart make it Make it holy, make it set apart so that it looks different than the rest of the, you know, if, if we divide six by seven, that's a, that's a large majority. He said, he said, just make space for me right here. It's holy. It's for you. Set it apart. The rest of the time you, you need to do your stuff because everybody's got to work. But this time make space for me and I'll show yeah. up. Yeah, it's a really powerful idea. I remember hearing in the uh, Bama podcast shout out to the Bama podcast guys um they were discussing the sabbath and this idea really um stuck with me and um it actually has been really helpful to my wife i shared this idea with her but uh this idea that sh- of the sabbath um and they 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 teased out how you know, the, the Mosaic law was given to Moses and the book of Genesis, um, the, the Pentateuch was written down by Moses and the first audience to hear these books spoken aloud and, and read to them aloud was 
the people of Israel, the the Hebrew people in the wilderness, um, who had just been brought out of slavery in Egypt. And um, one of the first things that God tells them um, in Genesis 2 is um, that there's going to be rest and that they are to rest as God rested. He gives them the command to rest one day every se- every seven days. Um, and they why? even go so far to show that, you know, God says on the first day there was evening and then there was morning the first day and evening and morning the second day and evening and morning the, sec- the third day and how that's counterintuitive that normally we think of the day starts with the day, the morning and then the evening and how God is saying, no, your day starts with the evening, with you start your day by sleeping and resting. And how the, the whole point that they draw together is these people who for 400 years were in slavery, their only value was what work they could provide, what produ- uh, production they could give to their slave masters. And God is saying, no, you have value outside of the work that you produce. You have value simply being created in my image. You don't have to strive to have value. We, we can rest in being made by God and loved by him. And yeah, the Sabbath is a day, like you were saying, Matt, to remember God, to revel in his love for us, to say, I don't have to strive to be accepted. And uh, that's why Jesus ultimately is our peace, right? Is because we don't have to strive for righteousness. Uh, we, we have rest in Christ from the burdens of the law, um, and we are accepted in him, and our striving ceases. And for one day out of seven, uh, we're called to make that day holy and remember that, though, like you've alluded to several times, it's not just a day, but it's a it's a mindset of contentment and remembering that um, that important uh, truth that we are not striving, we are not in control ultimately, but also that we are not striving for our significance. We are not striving for our acceptance before our Father. We are accepted. We are loved because of Christ. We are we are loved because we are in His image. We are not we are not only worth what we can produce. I love that. I love that episode. It's so helpful when, especially for us, it's crazy because that was such a long time ago, and yet we have the exact problem now of of literally if i don't keep up i don't have a job if i don't keep up doing what i'm doing with all this output what value am i bringing the workplace and just that that it's just beautiful i love that that our day starts with you know five six seven if we're lucky more hours of just sleeping trusting god with the beginning of our day and and how how better to start that with a group that seven days a week, what fifteen hours a day? I mean, 
outrageous output was the only thing keeping them alive. And if you couldn't do that, you were killed or sat in the streets. And God says, oh no, you're more than that. I love that. One thing I did want to mention is, and I think Paul makes this pretty clear, um, is we need to try not to be judgmental when looking at how people do observe the Sabbath. For some, that does mean the only way that I'm going to be able to revel in God's love and graciousness to me is by not doing a single thing all day and never doing a single thing that day. Like that is that is the way I regulate that. You know, and it's it's tough because this can become legalistic. Um, it can become uh, tribal if we have denominational splits about it. But the uh, I think the importance there is is what what does God intend for us to do, and and that is to have a designated time to make space for Him, to love Him, allow Him to love us. And for us to reflect on that and really spend time with it, not worry and release control and not toil for at least a designated time of some sort, whatever that looks like for any of us. I also wanted to read Galatians 4, 4, 7. But when the set time has fully come, God sent his son, born a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who cries out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has has made you also an heir. And I think a verse like that is a great one to sit on in a Sabbath moment when we're making space, is just knowing this law, we could, be, we could, we have the tendency to be legalistic. That's just what we do. We, we, we want to turn it into work <laughs> instead of turning it into rest and just finding contentment in that verse and spending some time with it. So we want to translate this into fatherhood. So in what ways can we help our children and our family discover, discover Sabbath rest? We're asking the question of how we can translate these ideas into um, shaping and molding our families and our children to find Sabbath rest um, in a way that is biblical. And I think there is some overlap with the things that we've talked about in the past about um, grace and gifts. Um, As I think about this idea of resting in our love from our father, our sonship, um, our worth and value being rooted in him and not in our ability to work hard. Um, I think 
some of the same kinds of things that we would do to help show our children grace are th- some of the same things that we would we would do to help them learn to have biblical Sabbath is to say, you know, teaching our children where their value comes from, um, that their value comes from who they belong to and uh, whose image they're made in and not in what they can produce and make, even though the things that they produce and make are valuable and, um, and how they should have a good work ethic. Um, but that ultimately is not where their significant come, their significance comes from, but rather it comes from their identity as belonging to the father. And we can show them that by, giving them reassurance of their belonging to us and um, reassuring. I know it was very reassuring to my wife when I shared these ideas. She was, um, she is, we are expecting our fourth child and she has been incredibly exhausted and nauseous uh, during the entire first trimester. And she felt so discouraged and so um, depressed that she couldn't get up and function and get the house clean and get do and you know do homeschool and do all the things that she normally does. And she was incredibly encouraged when I was able to share with her uh, some of these ideas and say, you know, your value is not in what you are able to do. Your value is in who you are. And I was reassuring her that God sees her as a beloved daughter and she can rest in him um, in this season where she can't get up and move a whole lot. She has to lay down and and let this baby grow and uh, and also reassuring her that she is my wife and I love her because she's my wife. I don't love her because of what she can provide for me and provide for the kids and um. I help the kids, you know, remember, hey, go give your mommy hugs and kisses and tell her how much you love her. Um, Not just because she's able to give you treats or something, but because, and and honestly, they were, they they had that sense already. The kids know this um, in their heart of hearts. You know, they were seeing their mommy not feeling well and they wanted to go and just comfort her and tell her how much they loved her. Um, and she wasn't doing anything for them. She was just being a sad, uh, nauseous, tired lady. And, uh, everybody was just gathering around her and showing her love. And I think, um, I'm, I'm beginning to grow weary from picking up the extra slack, but I'm still trying. Uh, and this is a good reminder to me to continue to show her that grace and love and, and show her, you know, I still do cherish and love and, and, um, value her even when she's not able to, to, uh, contribute as much as she normally does in this season. That's great. That's so affirming how, what God says about rest and rest in him and our value, affirming that in our children and our spouses. That's a great way of leading in this area. For me, I might take, in addition to what you're saying, I might add kind of another angle of the way Scripture talks about rest. 
um, in Hebrews 4 specifically, uh, the promise of entering his rest still stands. And so here in Hebrews 4, and of course in Matthew 11, when Christ says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. They don't have in, in view there a calendar day, but rather the ultimate spiritual peace rest that we have in knowing God and being known by God. And... Um, I love that that I, that idea is there as well in Scripture, and that it's not like as long as I fulfill something in my week, I get peace, or as long as I fulfill something in my week, um, my family knows that they are valuable. But rather, um, it's it's this invitation to enter into God's rest from the Scriptures, and also the possibility that we could actually miss out on His rest. Is that's what it says in Psalm 95, that it was because of his people's disobedience that for that season of time, they actually did not experience his rest. They, were, they might have observed the Sabbath day, but they still were not experiencing God's rest. And so, perhaps another way that we as dads can do this is leading our kids and our spouses in uh, just letting them know that that invitation to enter into God's rest is a daily invitation to enter into His rest. And it can happen while we're at school. It can happen while we're at work. It can happen while we're at home at dinner. And what that rest looks like, uh, if I can go on just another minute or two, I was reading through like a blog from Pastor Sam Storms, and he was showing how Rest is a lot more than just a calendar day, and a couple of the ideas he had here was rest is the soul's sigh of joyful relief and satisfaction that comes from experiencing release from the anxiety and tension of constantly wondering whether or not I've done enough to gain favor with God. That's a lot like what you just said, Brando, about where our value comes from. He says rest equals the soul's sigh of joyful relief and satisfaction that comes from never again fearing death as some dark and unknown termination. He says, rest is the soul's sigh of joyful relief and satisfaction and knowing that even if everyone else abandons me, God never will. And so this idea of rest is, it's, uh, it's kind of a mark of really being known by God and knowing Him on an intimate level and not about oh finally i got my 40 hours in this week now i can rest but this rest is something we're invited into daily and it's always a rest available to us i had a practical example that we did recently with quest and she uh she has a little chore list make your bed sweep help sweep, um, put your toys away, little simple things. And it's like an activity calendar, and but it's not really a calendar. It's just like flaps of paper. And when she gets them done, fold up the paper. And if you got all the papers folded up, she gets a quarter. So it's just a interactive little way of keeping track if she's helped out around the house. But I had a conversation with Jess, and I told her, when we go to review this chore list with her, if something's not done, I still want to give her the money. 
and here and with this one explanation and it's that I know that that's what we said we would do but we love you and want to reward you just because you are you belong to us because we love you is because and it's we love you not because of the things that you get done and how much you help around the house but because of who you are and I told Jess the reason I want her to experience that is that is just the same way that God deals with us yeah he he invites us to do work he gives he puts passions and work in our hearts to do for him for the kingdom in all of our different careers and workspaces and ministries but then he also invites us to 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 enjoy to rest to look back at all that and say you know what all this is good god is good i know him he knows me ah sightful or sigh of joy joyful relief ah i can i don't have to toil and also knowing you know what maybe if i didn't get a couple things on my on my moral duty checklist done this week god loves me and he's patient with me in my growth and i'm not in active rebellion against him he's he's with me and he's he's redeemed me and is wanting to continue that relationship. And would you say, Matt, that since you shared that story, I'm going to push that a little bit. Would you say that your hope then, of course, would be receiving that gift even if there was failure or, you know, lack of follow-through, that it would produce in her the greater desire to be more faithful similar to how we are or the result that should be produced in our lives when we still are showered with God's grace, even in our times of failure. Yeah. I, what I, what I'm hoping is the outcome is that she would, she would see that that's this small example as a bigger, um, as a magnification of, of God's interactions with us. And because my, my fear is that if she, if we brought her up and it was like, get your chore list done or else, you would almost develop a very legalistic, very structured work means value kind of idea. And if it also, if on the other side it was just do whatever you want, I don't care, it's up to you, total, you know, total liberty, then she also wouldn't, um, she wouldn't experience the, the, the value of working and, and know that there is reward, there is there is tangible things that you earn from work, and work is a good thing. But then that middle ground, the same place that God meets us and says, but your work is not you. Yeah, you get stuff, it provides, it's resources, and you need to do it. And it's it's just the fallen world we live in. You got to work the soil, but you don't have to all the time, and it's okay, and I love you, and you can just rest, and we can have that enjoyment of each other for a little bit before you get back to work yeah i'm sure we could all share different insights like dad to dad about about work and different things that we could do to keep ourselves in check one thing that was helpful for me in recent years was someone kind of spoke into us as staff at church and said you know you need to try and if you can swing this do some personal wellness days it still hasn't quite caught on for us because 
it's sometimes more stressful for people to plan to take days off. And I think that's part of our problem in the West. Um, maybe all around the world. I don't know if it's just a Western thing. I'm not trying to sound like I've got a handle on that, but <laughs> it's definitely a problem here for sure is we're the, we're the, we're the culture that, that rests the least and, and that's sad. And so, uh, that idea of taking time off to rest intentionally versus taking time off to just go somewhere else and do something else is, that's a challenge for us. But if we can, if we have support to do that, we should take it, take advantage of that and let our, let our kids see that, Hey, I'm taking time off today just to be with you or just to be with God or just, you know, whatever, as opposed to so that we can go to the mall for five hours or so that yeah. we can go do something else. Well, I, I think that provides a really practical example to the question of how, how do we exhibit to our children that we are enjoying rest from God? How are we, how are we showing them Sabbath is, it's holy to me. It's holy to us. I think that's a good one. <laughs> every time, if if every time you, and I'm guilty of this, if every time you take a vacation, it's because, or a uh, day off, take a vacation day from your work, whatever, is to go and do something else. And, and taking a trip to a, you know, a place you haven't been before and going to a theme park and staying in a hotel room, those are all busy things. It's just in a different environment. So we feel like we're we're refreshed because it's not the same thing we've seen every time. But when's the last time we took a day off and said, as a family, we're going to, everybody get your Bible, no TV, no anything. You don't even have to read the Bible, but that's the thing that you can, you know, access for the next, you know, couple hours and just, let's just be with God and rest in that or Hey guys, I took a day off because I I need some Sabbath time with God. What does that mean, Dad? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, then then they would grow up saying this uh my dad saw that it was so important to rest and and enjoy God's presence and and grow in that relationship that he would just take days off and go and develop his relationship with God. Like that, that's, I want to be that kind of dad. I wonder how much the workforce would change if people used some of their benefits in those ways, as opposed to maybe going and becoming more exhausted when they return. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I, I definitely need help in that area, man. I got uh, like, to almost 300 hours banked in my vacation um, bank. And that's after taking the one with you guys for a week. And I got a, another week scheduled in October. But yeah, man, I could use that a lot more. And I get it for a reason. I just take it off and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to sit by the lake with a Bible for eight hours this Wednesday. <laughs> Taking the day off. You, It's funny you mention people tend to take time off from work to go do other busy things. Um, for quite some time, I have just disdained 
the whole concept of vacation because it just seems for fruitless to me to take off from time from work to go and burn your energy up going and doing quote unquote fun things. Um, and you end up more tired when you go back to work than you were the week before or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily take my time off to go and spend time with the Lord, which is pretty sad, but I definitely, um, I've got a handle on being able to go home and do nothing. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, we're, we're taking a vacation time. seems like all of my vacation days, especially now that we've moved 12 hours away from family are, uh, taken up with traveling 12 hours to go spend time with family. And, uh, those are called obligations. Yeah. Obligations. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's a good word. Yeah. I definitely don't feel Sabbath (laughs) arrested after those, uh, times I feel like, man, I'd rather, I really need to get back to my office to get some calm. <laughs> okay. Before we get to can't let it go. I got one challenge question. This is totally, this is, this is extra biblical listeners, but what do you think God did on the seventh day? <laughs> I'm sure let's let's I'm just, sure the rabbis have debated this. There's a mid, I, there's I, a midrash about it, I'm sure. The secret things belong to the Lord. <laughs> but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. So he he played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> no, before it was even created. Wow. That's right. <laughs> okay, now, so hear me out. I like, I mean, it's just, the, this is the movie that plays in my brain. Okay, Brando and I have our heresy radars ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so he just he just finished the act of creating... A beautiful creation he declared good with just his words and on day seven he just watched it and smiled he saw his his image bearers in his perfect creation and he he was he was so pleased not just the work that he done that he is that he had done but also the image bearers that he could see in his creation reflecting back at him. I just think he was just sitting back, just proud, proud daddy, (laughs) you know, just this, just a image of him. He, He is, he's finding rest in his, in his creation and then asks us to join in it because it was good. I think you may be on to something there, Matthew. I can rest in that.
Alright, let's go on to our favorite little segment of Can't Let It Go. I'll start with Bayma Podcasts. Brando mentioned it. I want to mention it. My neighbor, Nick, he um, he suggested that I listen to it and I put it off for a couple months and then I actually gave it a listen and I wish it I wish I had listened to him sooner. Um, fantastic podcast. It's it's up there with the Bible Project guys and really helping helping you gain a perspective on the scripture that's uh, helpful. It's edifying. It makes you want to go back to the Bible, read it more often, read it deeper with a fuller understanding. And um, the guys Marty Solomon and um, I just love the way that he teaches through. I finished the first season, which is Torah, and it was it was just an amazing journey. I really am excited to get into the prophets and, and writings, but just encourage you guys to check out Bema. We already got two references on this podcast, so we'll put it in the show notes. Thanks, Nick. Shout out to Nick. Whoop, whoop. Way to go, Nick. My Can't Let It Go is uh, not very spiritual, but I already uh, made reference to it. And that is Star Wars Night of the Old Republic 2. Okay. Uh, the Sith Lords. <laughs> I've recently discovered, rediscovered this 20-year-old game uh, that I did not realize was 20 years old. And uh, it's pretty legit. It's it's a lot of fun. Reliving some nostalgia. and uh, PC? Being a Jedi. Yeah, on the PC. So I've also been on on a nostalgic kick. I've been listening to early two thousands emo pop punk. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know why, but I've like My Chemical Romance, uh, Panic at the Disco. Oh no. Uh, man, who are the other guys? Oh, Simple Plan. Taking Taking Back Sunday. Oh man, from first to last, like. I don't know. I just like I, when I'm dropping Quest off at school. I'm, I'm just feeling feeling like listening to some <laughs> Taking Back Sunday. <laughs> okay, have you seen the YouTube channel of of the guy and the girl? And like he he says, I'm kind of feeling down today. And she's like, No, don't do it. Stop. Or like just they they always go back I've, and forth. I've seen those. And then like I, it cuts away from him. Emo, I might delete later. Yeah. It's like the name of every single video. It cuts away from him, and then it cuts back to him, and he's like, looks completely different with the black hair across his face and the fingernail polish and the mascara, and then he starts singing an emo song. You should, yeah. you you would probably enjoy that since that's your current kick. I will say his hair looks strikingly similar to a certain young man I knew. It uh, does. Re- when yeah. we were in a band yeah, together. It, does. it looks just like Matt. <laughs> also 20 years ago. No, wait. Yeah. <laughs> no. It was about 11, <laughs> 11, 12 years ago. Okay. My Can't Let It Go is this book I'm reading. And this this uh, Old Testament scholar kept popping up on Bible Project forums. And just as a recommended, hey, if you like Bible Project uh, Tim Mackey kind of um, recommends this guy. His name's Michael Heiser. So I was like, ah, I kept putting it off because like he had stuff to say about angels and demons, and I was like, man, that's that's heavy stuff, and I don't know if I'm ready for heavy stuff right now. Like, just 
didn't know if I would be ready for it because I knew it would be deep. Well, I finally clicked on a video of his on YouTube. I guess YouTube heard me thinking about him or something. <laughs> so thank you, you YouTube, uh, wherever you are. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm going to get like this YouTube video that just says, you're welcome, <laughs> appearing in my <laughs> algorithm. Uh, anyway, from Moana. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I, I finally clicked on a video, and, and it was just him kind of sharing uh, very 101 of, of what he has discovered and what he has been spending the last 15 or so years of his doctorate work on, on the Unseen Realm. And so I bought the book called The Unseen Realm, and I'm about 70 pages in, and I'm going through it with another with a college student that's working for the church uh, for our church this summer. And it's been really interesting, really interesting. I, it's it's a rare book that I. It's like a page turner, but it's it's academic, and I'm learning something on every page. And it could be that I just don't read enough, but. I love a book that's like that, where literally I'm feeling like I'm kind of in a college class again. The chapters are short; they're very uh, digestible. Um, but if yeah, if you don't know anything about Michael Heiser, one other thing I wasn't sure about is how legit is he, and what's his credibility if he's going to be talking about these things? Because I don't really know much about these things, and can I can I kind of trust what he's saying? And um, it's solid stuff. I recommend it. It's interesting stuff. Um, it'll stretch you. He's he's similar to um, Tom Wright or N.T. Wright in the sense of, uh, hey, we're going to get to the text, and if we have to go through or around a tradition we hold, let's get to that text. And if the tradition stays, that's fine, but let's not let a tradition hold us back from what the text and the original audience and author has for us. And I just really appreciate that honest look at scripture, and uh, I think that's how Doctor Heiser—that's um, the approach he takes. So I can't let go of it. It's—it's it's been a really good book so far. Mm. I need to check that out. Yep. All right, guys, you've made it. Thank you again for listening to Abba Father Podcast. If you're encouraged by it, please share it with a friend or another dad so that they can listen and get more God-honoring parenting resources. Also, if you want to send us a note or want to say hi or about a topic that you're interested in, you can send us an email to abbafatherpod at outlook.com. Hope to hear from you, and if you want to record an audio clip, we might just include it in the show. And as always, remember, dads, Romans 8.15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. See you next time.